sounded. Walks into all styles. Oh, drives in. Unbelievable hit. Oh, Mountain has clung. Brody Grundy just put it through. You Do you like the sound of that? Australian football has a brand new home on Sirius XM. Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Shuey's got it in extra time. Driving back to the top of the square. Norton will fly. Keep the goal and Fremantle win it after the siren. With unparalleled access to the AFL's greatest champions and most famous fans. Needs to score. He has kicked, kicked the goal. Lightning strikes twice. What's he doing? Security's going to get out of the way. Get out of the way, pal. Coming to you from the home of Australian rules football in Melbourne, Australia. He's the most connected man in Aussie rules. Broadcaster, media icon, club president. Here's Eddie Maguire. Hello everybody, welcome to Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. And Brian Taylor, can you believe it? After all the dramas we've had this year, we have now got the regular season done and dusted. We've got eight teams left. The final series is upon us. And we are now in the shadows of having a premiere in 2020 in a year where at one stage we didn't look like we were going to get lift off at all. Welcome to the show, mate. Good on you, Ed. To complete 18 rounds of football is an incredible effort from our governing body, the AFL, to put it all together and, and get us there in the end. You know, we're normally a 23-round season. And to get the 18 rounds in and head to finals in two weeks is is just an amazing effort. Well done to everyone involved. All right, let's have a listen to the highlights from the last round of the home and away season of 2020. Shut up, the foot is on the radio. It's a 50-50 nut. Gary Ablett made it his own. 100% to Gary. Runs inside 50. Lowers the eyes. Gary Ablett, welcome back. Here's Dan Rich on his left. He'll reach the distance from here. 55. Dan Rich loves it. It's through. Squirts out the back. Picked up by Bruce. Hand passes to Smith. Bailey Smith. That is a brilliant kick. Off one step. Straight through the middle from about 45. Poppy. Kick it, Poppy. Running in for number three. Open goal. Poppy. Looking to get around him. It's a poppy party in Adelaide Oval. Liam Wright steps around the player on the boundary. Has a shot from 40. Oh, oh yeah. Flying Ryan's kick the beauty. Riccardi hits the pack hard, splits the pack. Toby Green grabs it out of the middle air. That is a beautiful snap from Toby Green. Through came Neil Bullen with a pinched pocket, and he kicks it from 40 out directly in front. Picked up by Smith. They're still alive. The Bombers are coming back again. Shield from 50. Got around one. Let's it go. Drops a hammer on it to goal. Front centre Motlop. Snaps on the outside of the boot. Boona na. 20 metres out. Petswalk with a free kick. Is he about to break the record of Tony Modra? 202 games, 440 goals. This to break the record at the Adelaide Crows to be the leading all-time goal kicker. He makes no mistake. Straight through the middle. He'll get it back, Kate Simpson. Kick Inside goal, the floor, 50. Oh, Kick the goal, Simone. Yes. Yes. And he's nailed it. <laughs> nice snap out of the pack. It's another one for the Saints. And absolutely loving the goal is Jack Steele. He's dancing around because he knows the Saints are marching into the finals. Jack Gutson goes short. No. He's got it. 15 metres out directly in front for just the second goal of his career. Yeah, he's kicked no, it. Look at the hands going to score. Well, we can't wait for finals because it's now official. It's finals time in the AFL in season 2020 and the power, they win the minor premiership. Yeah, congratulations to Port Adelaide in their 150th season. 
winning the uh, McClellan Trophy for finishing atop the home and away season. So the minor premiership going to Port Adelaide. Congratulations to them. Let's quickly recap uh, what happened over the weekend. Started last Thursday. Uh, 49-34, the Eagles on a low-scoring game against North Melbourne, who gave a bit of a, a, a push along there. Brian, after had uh, what had been a pretty disappointing season for the Kangaroos, 15-point winners, the Eagles, to set themselves up for a home final. St Kilda were too good against the Giants' second half goalless the Giants who have dropped now from second last year finishing runner-up in the premiership they've dropped right out of the eight we'll get to them Brian you'll take us through the ladder in a few moments time but St Kilda 82 to 30 by 52 points Essendon 49 to 68 Melbourne gave themselves a chance of getting to the finals ended up missing by half a game behind Collingwood so both Essendon and Melbourne end up Disappointing seasons for both of them. Uh, Adelaide Crows defeated by Richmond by 44 points. The Tigers just making sure of the double chance. Brisbane Lions too good for Carlton. Hard fought affair that one, but the Lions getting home by 17 points. A pretty good effort. Uh, the uh, Hawks, 108-57. to 57, They gave the Suns a bit of a belting. The Suns ran out of gas in the end, and we'll talk about Hawthorne in a few moments' time. Some farewell to uh, th- uh, two of their three-time premiership champions. Uh, the Sydney Swans. And Geelong, we'll get to that a little bit later on because that is the game of the round. It was an absolute beauty in the Dockers and the Bulldogs. Bulldogs by 30 points, but picked up a couple of injuries going into the elimination final in a fortnight's time. And the last game of the round, 45-61, to 61, the Pies Collingwood. A chance there for a while, but in the end, Port Adelaide just a bit too steady. Found their goals a bit easier to get than what the Magpies did, and they finished on top of the ladder, Port Adelaide, with a 16-point victory over Collingwood, the last game of the home and away season. Brian, take us through the ladder, and we'll chat about the finals. Yeah, so those teams eliminated from the finals from 9th to 18th, uh, Ed. Melbourne, GWS, Carlton, and Fremantle fill the 9, 10, 11, and 12 positions. Then the Bombers, Essendon in 13th, Gold Coast 14th, Hawthorne 15, Sydney 16, North 17, and the Adelaide Crows, who will get the number one pick, finished in last position. So the teams left to play finals starting in two weeks from eighth position, Collingwood, seventh, the Dogs, sixth, St Kilda, fifth, West Coast, into the top four, Geelong, Richmond in third, Brisbane second, and as you just mentioned, Port Adelaide for the fourth time in the AFL have finished on top and won the minor premiership. Yeah, great stuff there. The McClellan Trophy going to Alberton in their 150th year. So great celebrations, and it gives them a chance to have a real go at winning the premiership this year. Uh, Farewell to some great players over the years. Brian, Cade Simpson at the Carlton Football Club. An amazing 342 games for our friends in America. If you play 100 games, it's a pretty good effort. 200 games is sensational. 300 is exceptional. So 342 games for this bloke who, uh, he looks like a jockey still after all those years. 17 seasons in the big time. And you never know, in his last game, what did he do, Brian? He kicked an absolute ripping goal. Nice pick up from Williamson. Gets it back to Kate Simpson playing his last game. The long sleever. You'd love a goal. Kate Simpson. Can he deliver one? Game 342. And there's a magic moment for one of Carlton's all-time greats. Yeah, well done to Cade Simpson, who's been a champion of the Carlton Football Club. Hey, what about this one, Brian? Ben Stratton went into the game. Charlie Dibbs at Collingwood, uh, who won premierships in 27, 28, 29 and 30. Uh, he held a record for the player who had actually won more premierships than goals he'd kicked in his career. Ben Stratton went into this <laughs> game having only kicked one goal, but with three premierships behind him. 
And somehow they conspired the Hawthorne Football Club with coach Alistair Clarkson to get him a second. The longest active goalless streak in the AFL. Game 2-0-2 and goal two. And the perfect way to finish for one of their all-time breaks. And I found that intriguing, the Ben Stratton goal, because that was uh, manufactured by Alistair Clarkson, the coach, Ed, to move him from defence up to the forward line in the last game so he could kick those goals. But remember back a few years ago when Favola was trying to kick 100 goals and Alistair Clarkson moved a loose man into defence to deliberately stop any chance of him kicking a goal? Yes, that's right. It doesn't seem to work both ways with Alistair. No, it's only one way for Alistair, and that's why he's successful, Brian. It's me, 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 and forget about you. It's as simple as that. Now, I always laugh at these things, how a coach is able to conspire to manufacture a goal, given that's what they're paid to do every moment of a game, Brian. But anyway, it's a good point. (laughs) Anyway, we caught up with Ben Stratton, the retiring captain of the Hawthorne Football Club, who finished off his career with 202 games, three premierships, and finally, two goals. Yeah, 11 years apart, the goal. Um... Yeah, Clarko made the move. I put Sean back and, and went up forward and cleared, cleared the boys out of the 50 and um, stayed in the square. I was I was absolutely buggered, so I didn't really run much. And then um, Gunner's got it, and I thought, oh, yeah, here a shot. And a little bit of pocket of space opened up, and yeah, it's easy down there. Yeah, for our American listeners, uh, being buggered means that uh, you're tired in Australian yeah. football. <laughs> and, and the other Not thing, literally. Ed, is that like, you talk about the, the, the coaches making the moves at the end. What I noticed about the last round of the year, when you are a team that is going to be eliminated from the finals like Hawthorne were, it, it, it just rains goals. I mean, all of a sudden, yeah. they're allowed to play without constraint. They're allowed to play without pre-orchestrated structure. And they just go and play, and it looks much better and they actually kick goals. It's fantastic. So when what you're saying, Brian, is when they don't listen to the coach, they actually play good football. Yeah, well, absolutely <laughs> they do. And, you know, I look at someone like GWS, who are a young side in the competition, Ed, and they've missed out on the finals this year. They are so talented one-on-one that if you just let them play, they will beat both sides. If you try and formulate structure and details in the way they play, uh, it's not going to go so good for them. Hey, uh, you mentioned uh, Gold Coast. Uh, they've had a pretty good season at Gold Coast. They're building. They've got some fantastic players coming through. Matt Rowe, uh, only one of two players ever to receive the full coaches' votes in three consecutive games before he busted his shoulder and uh, was out, but he's recovering well. But uh, interesting uh, sidelight. Uh, did you see what happened during the week with Stuart Jew? Uh, the, Brian, yes. are you you're with me on this yes. one? Yeah, this was an yes. interesting Stuart Jew is, of course, the coach. And somehow there's been a number of uh, people have been retrenched, have been sacked in AFL football mm. because the soft cap on the uh, on, on the coaching groups has been reduced. So unfortunately, because of COVID-19, the world economy has gone down. So what's happened is that all the clubs are going to have to let people go. Apparently, two years ago, the coaching staff of the Gold Coast had a big night at a hotel up on the Gold Coast. Uh, actually owned by a friend of ours, Bruce Matheson, whose wife, Jill, is the number one ticket holder of the Gold Coast Sun. So they're in there, obviously, having a great night. Uh, Sadly, at the end of the night, uh, Stuart Jew had a few drinks and decided that he would uh, relieve himself. He'd take a piss, let's be honest about it, Brian, up against the side of the hotel wall, at which time uh, one of his uh, colleagues thought it'd be a great idea to film him doing so. They sent it around as a bit of a WhatsApp, a bit of a group chat, everyone having a laugh until the next day they realised, we're now at this getting out. So they asked everybody to delete it. Uh, Sadly, uh, not everyone deleted it. And as a result of that, it is uh, alleged that uh, 
somebody within the organisation let that one go yesterday and as a result the coach has been fined or has decided to pay up $5,000 to go to a charity and the team manager who actually uh, took the video, he also has kicked in $5,000 and there are a lot of very, very disgruntled people up on the Gold Coast. If you could uh, say it this way, there was a leak on a leak, Brian, and it hasn't gone down well. <laughs> so a disgruntled employee, it's amazing, isn't it, this time of yep. the year, but um, Jesus, delete, when, when people say delete, Ed, delete. Yeah. Here's the best thing, don't send it in the first place, Brian. Yeah, hey, right. speak- Don't film it in the first place. All the above. I'm coming to you from the Gold Coast, not from that hotel. I'm coming from a ripper, the star. It is absolutely sensational, Brian. Can I just tell you, for all our guests overseas and anyone coming back to Australia, once the borders open here in Australia, come to the Gold Coast. It is absolutely sensational. Had uh, some beautiful dinners the last couple of days here and the beach here on the Gold Coast. Uh, I'd forgotten how good it was. Went for a walk the other day, Brian. It is as good a beach as anywhere in the world, surrounded by cafes and shops and all the things you want to have in life. So please, if you're thinking of coming to Australia, join us here at the Star on the fabulous Gold Coast in Queensland. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The AFL home and away season is finished. We're into the finals and finishing in second place on the ladder was the Brisbane Lions. And Charlie Cameron, having been recruited from Adelaide, has just been a sensation for the Adelaide Crows football side. No doubt about that. Now, Brian, uh, can I uh, put to you this? Uh, who was your favourite player as a uh, when you were playing football? Who was your favourite American sports star or international sports star? Reckon I had two, Ed. I had Michael Jordan from the Bulls and I, uh, Joe Montana from the NFL as well. They were my two go-to men at any time. Yeah. Fantastic. And what about these days? You follow, you love your American sports? Yeah, Kobe was uh, until he retired, um, yeah. I guess. And probably I'm, I'm looking for one now. LeBron doesn't quite do it for me. I'm looking out for someone else now. Well, I suppose we're all following Ben Simmons and the Aussies over there yep. doing a great job. Uh, see, Matthew Delavadova was actually ranked as the third most effective teammate for LeBron James. Uh, a survey came out. They did a lot of surveying on, on which players played the most effective roles. When did LeBron uh, score the most and have the most effect on a game? Well, the third most times was with Aussie Matthew Delavadova, a good Collingwood man. So there's some good news. Now back to Charlie Cameron. Why mm. I bring you up is Julio Jones is his favourite player with the Atlanta Falcons. And it's as a result of that, uh, for some reason, Charlie Cameron went and got a tattoo of Julio Jones on the calf muscle of his leg. And it has been picked up in America. And they love it on Fox 5 Atlanta. Julio Jones has fans the world over, which includes the other side of the world. Yeah, this amazes you. Now Charlie can go to work, and it's devastating when he does. Charlie Cameron plays for the Brisbane Lions in the Australian Football League, playing Aussie Rules football, and his Lions are a serious championship contender. And he does it all while waking up at 3 a.m. most Monday mornings to watch the Falcons and his favorite player. So I watch a lot of NFL, and they say he does the same thing. He just goes out and does his work so that's pretty cool and 
he backs it up every week. So Cameron was just your average fantasy football playing early rising Falcons fan down under until his ink caught some eyes. The Aussies got a leg tattoo of Julio Jones, which does get him some interesting questions around town. They say, why him? I said, yeah, he's just my favorite player. <laughs> didn't think about getting Joe Montana on your leg at no, any stage, Brian? I, I, I didn't, Ed. I, I don't get it because Julio he might well be a very good player now, but in five years' time, he'll be done and cooked and he'll move on to the next one. <laughs> I would have thought Charlie Cameron would get a tattoo of Charlie Cameron the way he's playing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. uh, earlier this week, I did catch up with Charlie Cameron to chat about that and other things, including his dog, who's had a bit of a spill. We started out by talking about that dog, and guess what, Brian? His dog has done his ACL. Oh, no. Mate, tell me, not going so well for you, uh, we don't like the term ACL, anterior cruciate ligament, at any time. But I suppose if anyone in the family is going to have one, it's probably better that it's your dog than you at the moment, right? What's going on with your dog? Oh, yeah, no, like a couple of weeks ago, he jumped up on the bed but um, and then fell back down and sort of um, hurt, him, hurt his leg and had a checkup uh, a couple of weeks ago. But he tore his ACL, so, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. It's quite disappointing. <laughs> so what what do you do with the dog's ACL? What happens? Uh, he just goes in like for like like normal like scan and everything and then goes into surgery. So I'm just waiting to hear back from the surgeon. So what's going to be what's expensive it? little um, surgery. Oh, I can imagine, mate. You have to get Julian Feller in to do it, uh, the, the great orthopedic surgeon. Uh, mate, what sort of dog have you got? Uh, I got a little Frenchie. And little he's Frenchy done his ACL? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. so. Well, mate, let's hope that's the only injury in the family, mate. You've had a fantastic year. Uh, let's go through your career. 124 games since uh, making a debut in 2014. 73 with the Adelaide Crows, where you were just part of a, a great outfit there, playing in the grand final. 51 games with the Brisbane Lions, All-Australian last year in 2019, and the leading goal kicker. And, mate, this year has been another great year for you. The team gets a home final going into the into the first week of the finals. Tell me what it's meant for you guys to have so many games at home and made the most of it. It's been good. Um, obviously, with the COVID period, obviously, it's been challenging. Obviously, for the league, or everyone in the league, and obviously, we've just tried to adapt and um, obviously grateful for the um, Victorian teams and WA teams that have made the effort up here, I guess, to keep the game alive and... I guess for us, we've just got to try and make the most of it. Mate, uh, now tell me about this. Uh, the Lions players this year, which for American friends would seem pretty normal, but we don't have this in Australian rules football. That is music played after a goal. Uh, yep. You've picked this one. Uh, Rosemary, can you roll in Baby Shark? Obviously, the, um, I got it from um, the baseball. So a Washington um, Nationals player. He plays the baby shark um, before he goes up to bat. And um, so I've just got it off that and try to get the whole crowd into it. But obviously, limited games of the Gabbas and not much crowd. And obviously, haven't given me goals, much goals lately. So um, haven't been playing much. <laughs> well, mate, it might all be coming in the finals for you. Now, you love your American sports, obviously. You've picked that song because of the baseball. But tell me about your love for the Atlanta Falcons, which has actually got you onto the television in the United States. Yeah, obviously, um, Adelaide, I'll. There's a few boys that were already into the NFL, and I started watching Hard Knocks um, back in 2013, uh, the 14 series, and obviously just um, Griffin there, and um, just got shown a lot of interest over the last couple of years. It's one thing having interest, there's nothing getting Julio Jones's tattoo on your calf. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, the love for the player, and obviously, yeah, it made it over there, and yeah, but I think it's, I just like him, so.
thought I'd do it. And obviously, Dick Nat's got uh, Michael Jordan on his leg and she plays got different players in the league. So, yeah, I thought I'd do it. Fantastic, mate. So what was the reason? What What is it about Julio Jones that you thought, right, that's me. I love the way he plays. I'm going to get his tattoo on my leg and I'm going to just love the Atlanta Falcons. How did it all come together? Yeah, I don't know. I think I was just, oh, I just thought of it one day. I was like, oh, I might as well just get it, get it done. And, and I got it done, but I think he's just a, a beast. So that's why I got it. He is a beast, and so are you, mate. Your your form has been sensational throughout the last couple of years. But tell us about uh, where did the the Harley rev up when you kick a goal? You rev the Harley Davidson up. Where did that come through? And it's something that uh, everybody loves in football, just the the pure enjoyment of you kicking a big goal and going for the rev. Yeah, I, was, I found I was, oh, like I saw a song and um, <laughs> these dudes were, like just doing like a like a like a handlebar celebration, and I was like, oh, I was just trying to do that, and then. Obviously, it's turned into a Harley, and people always miss me saying, you know, um, on a Harley, it's only a thr- or throttle on the right-hand side, not, like, two handles. So I was like, yeah, I know that, but just, just my <laughs> own thing. Just <laughs> your own thing. Jeez, they're picking up. They're being pedantic, aren't they, if they're having to go at you on the two handles. Mate, I, I love it, though. Where Leon Davis at Collingwood, another Indigenous small forward who was just a magnificent yeah. player, used to do the finger wag. And, uh, you know, I, just, I think it's just brought so much. Our game used to be a little bit uh, puritanical, didn't it, where you weren't allowed to do anything. Now blokes are finding their own ways of expressing themselves, and you in particular. Yeah, I think, for me, I think that... that and plus, I just like to... I guess you get the crowd involved and obviously that's where you go there too to get involved and put a smile on their faces and I go obviously see little kids do it. It's um, pretty cool. Charlie, tell me about the year for Brisbane this year. There must be just a growing belief and faith after last year getting to the finals. Uh, you know, you were pretty close to winning that last final against uh, Greater Western Sydney, uh, but you went out uh, at the Gabba. This year, it's, as I said, it's all seemed to have fallen well for you, getting a lot of games in Queensland, but you have to win still. And it just seems to be a really good feel amongst you and your teammates. Yeah, obviously last year we went out in straight stats and I think we've learned a lot. There was a lot of players that played their first final series and I guess we've grown from that and learned a lot. But um, yeah, I think we're excited for the finals. You've got a great relationship with Chris Fagan, a senior, an elderly coach, if you like, coming in. Didn't play the game at the highest level, but was a tremendous player in Tasmania. Has a, a long pedigree uh, and, uh, you know, part of the Hawthorne Premiership era. Tell me what he's like for you. Do you just have a, a bloke like Chris Fagan as your coach? Yeah, he's a, a passionate old fella. Um, <laughs> but he just lets me go out there and play footy and play an instinct. And he said that from the, from the start when I got here. Just, he just wants me to go out there and play footy and... I think that's the way I play my best. He's just going out there and playing toward the end, just play offensive things. And obviously the team rules around how we go about it. But yeah, for me, for him to give me that belief and confidence in my game, um, I guess helped me grow as a player. Yeah, it certainly has. And last year being All-Australian must have just given you that extra lift as well. So going back, uh, final couple of questions to you about the Atlanta Falcons. You're up during the week. Unfortunately, beaten by one point, a bit of a choke for the Falcons against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> you get up at three o'clock to watch it. Did you? Did you stick it out? Or did you go to bed when they nah, started? No, I went to bed at half. I went to bed at half time, and I was like, "Oh, they, they, we need to get the win here." It was like I think it was twenty twenty something to seven or something. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to bed," and then got up at like eight o'clock and saw that loss, and I'm just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Another choke. Everyone's like, "Falcons!" Message me saying, "Falcons!" Falcons! And I was like, "Oh my god!" 
<laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? We, that's why we love the sport so much. It, it, no one yeah. knows from one day to the next what's going to happen. Charlie, congratulations, mate, on a wonderful season. Good luck for the finals. Uh, you're on American Radio as we speak, Aussie Footy Rules America, on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick, Radio 211. Do you want to send out a shout-out to Julio Jones? You might be listening. I'll hopefully listen, but, yeah. Nah, thank you for having me on the show, mate. Appreciate it. There you go, Brian. The dog does his ACL. I suppose if you're a Brisbane Lions supporter, you're happier that it's the dog rather than Charlie that's got the sore knee at the moment, mate. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. A former rugby league player who grew up in Adelaide, so knows his AFL very well these days, playing with the Philadelphia Eagles, is Matt Leo, who joins us, and he joins on the line from Philadelphia. G'day, Matt. How you doing, mate? You good? Good, mate. Great to have you on the show. Matt, you were able to get into the program through the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFL International Pathway. Tell us about that program and how did you get from Adelaide to Philadelphia? Well, it's, uh, it's been a long journey. You know, I started off uh, going to a junior college in Arizona. Yep. Um, I spent about a year and a half there and developing and learning how to play football. I took the leap, you know, thinking that I was going to be a punter in the NFL and you know, it turns out that they wanted to use me for other uh, skills. So, um, you know, I spent about a year and a half to two years in Arizona, then ended up in Iowa State Division One, and, uh, yeah, got picked up in this program, and it's been a blessing to, to finally reach it out here into Philadelphia. And what did they say to you when they said, uh, OK, don't worry about punting the ball, we've got that covered, we want you to be a defensive end. <laughs> did you know what a defensive end actually was when you went over there? And, and how, did you, how did you get yourself set up where you're on the cusp of playing for the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, I, I knew I could kick a ball, um, you know, growing up playing Aussie rules as well. You know, I loved, you know, bombing a good torpy or, you know, a punt. So, um, you know, I, I honestly didn't know where they were going to place me. I jumped out there and I said, I can kick and I can catch and, where do you uh, see me? And then first day out there, they, they slapped me in defense and I ran down and hit someone at full speed and they're like, yep, that's where you're going to be staying. So, um, you know, <laughs> I've been in this position since I got here and I've been loving it ever since. Hey, Matt, take us back to the Adelaide days and the construction of the footbridge over to the Adelaide Oval. Many of us have walked over that many, many times while we've been over there covering football. I was a plumber myself. You were working on the bridge doing some drainage. Take us back to those days. <laughs> yeah, mate. Um, that's exactly where it started. You know, that bridge connecting Adelaide Oval to the convention center. And I was a fourth year apprentice at the time working with my tradesmen. And, you know, we're crawling through this little suspended area where um, we're putting up the suspended drainage for the side runoff. And I remember hitting my head on a brass bracket and it was dark, it was tight. And I said, man, what am I doing? Uh, I'm too big for this. I should be playing sports still. And um, my tradesman, who was just a massive football head, but, you know, we'd never discussed it before, said, Man, I read in the paper about a week ago that a, an Australian from, I think it was Melbourne, went over to punt in a D2 school in, in the U.S. on a full-ride scholarship. And that was literally the end of the conversation. I said, please find out who this guy is. I would love to do that. I'll punt. I would do anything to have that opportunity. Two weeks later, we hunted him down, and, and that's how that, this journey started. So in Australia, yeah, it, it is incredible. In Australia, were you playing rugby league or Aussie rules? How did, what was happening for you? Uh, sport-wise? 
Yeah, so I grew up, you know, starting off with rugby at Port Adelaide, and then uh, I moved on to playing Aussie roles in, in high school, and then I was playing local club, you know, at Port Districts in uh, in Adelaide. So, you know, I was playing everything and loving it, but, you know, being apprentice as well, it was just tough because I wanted to work on the weekend still, you know, and I worked for a large company that kind of demanded it. So I kind of gave up sports altogether and focused on my apprenticeship. So six foot seven, you're a big unit. You're working on the tools, and then suddenly, I still want to get from that moment where you're talking to your mate, Matt Hoare, I believe, it was your tradesman and friend who was working alongside you. He luckily saw something in the paper. You found out who that person was. What was the next step? How did you get off the bridge in Adelaide and get to Philadelphia? That's, I still want to get that. It's an amazing story. I love it. <laughs> yeah. what, was the, what was the pathway? Yeah, so, um, you know, after we hunted this guy down, he, he, he gave me a number to call, um, which was, you know, Paul Monero from Sydney. He kind of, uh, you know, bridged that gap for guys to, to get over to Division, you know, one or, you know, to junior colleges in the U.S. So, um, you know, getting in contact with him, he pointed me in some right directions and, you know, put me onto a junior college coach who I had emailed. And I said, coach, I've never played any snap, not even a, a touch of the American football but I would love to walk on and, you know, earn my way to a scholarship. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to pay my way if you could, uh, you know, allocate a spot for me. And he emailed me back that evening saying, can you be here Wednesday? And it was a Sunday. So I literally uh, told my parents, <laughs> I'm jumping on a plane and pursuing a dream. And, you know, I told my, my company that I was working for, Highmarsh Plumbing, that, you know, I was, I was uh, dropping the tools and wanted to chase my dreams. And, you know, they promised me a job there, you know, at High Marsh Plumbing if I ever wanted to return, but I knew that I wouldn't. So, you know, jumping in there and fast-forwarding until now, you know, getting into this pathway program, they then managed to find me while I was playing at Iowa State uh, last year. And they reached out to me, you know, explaining the program and how they've, uh, you know, allocated already, you know, players that I know, like Valentine's Holmes and Jordan Maylata. So, you know, it was like, a blessing, you know, in disguise for them to reach out and, you know, jumping into that program this January and going out to Florida, you know, earning that right, you know, with a lot of other, you know, people across the globe, there's 10 of us and, you know, earning that position to be able to play here has just been a blessing. So being part of this international pathway list now, what, is, what does that mean, Matt? Does that mean you travel with the team on a daily basis? You train with them on a daily basis? And are you a chance to play a regular game given the season's just started? Yes, sir. It's it's everything, man. It's uh so being in this program allows me to uh, have two years on the practice squad if it's emergency. So I am able to be in the practice squad for two years. If they need me, they can activate me at any weekend, any game, whenever they need me. So I still travel with the team every weekend, and I'll be you know everywhere we we travel this throughout the season. I'll be going, and if if needed, I'll be activated. So Matt, you're a Philadelphia Eagles player. You do all the training, they feed you, they, uh, they look after you, all that sort of stuff. Do they pay you or do you have to wait to actually play? What's the, how do you survive? Yeah, so uh, I'm paid exactly like every other um, practice squad player. So it's, it is still a, a very substantial amount. It's been a blessing, you know, the last four years I hasn't been, you know, I haven't been able to make any, you know, form of money, obviously being on a, on a visa, a student visa. So, you know, now being on a, on a professional athlete visa, um, the Eagles can play, pay me like any other player. And if I am activated, then that amount is uh, a lot larger. <laughs> can, can we ask what the figures are, that you, what you're on and, and what you could be on if you get to get into the team? Yeah, so uh, this year with the, um, with the amounts that have been changed with the NFLPA, uh, yeah. your practice squad athlete is on 8400 a week. 
um, and your activated players are on 29000 a week. Fantastic. Which is, it's, a, it's worth getting activated, that's for sure. <laughs> Mate, yeah. that is, uh, that's fantastic. That is and, and living the dream. And what's it like for, for a young Aussie being in amongst the, the, the locker room with all these guys? And, of course, they're looking at you, some of the big boys, thinking, hang on, this bloke might be taking my position. How does that go? And secondly, what's it like living in America? Yeah, I mean, you know, coming to Philadelphia Eagles, I'm playing at an organisation that has incredible veteran players, you know, guys who have been there 9, 11, and another nine-year vet. So, you know, in the room alone, you know, there's 30 years of advice that guys feed me. So I'm, I'm honestly grateful to have such, you know, mentors around me that actually want me to be succeed and jump on that field. So I'm incredibly humbled to be here and, you know, around such incredible athletes. So... You know, my next goal is to, you know, continue to develop and uh, yeah, be on that field, man, and representing Australia and Adelaide, man. What about when you're in the rooms, Matt? What's it like? I mean, do you feel do you feel like you belong? And what's your attitude towards the other players? And what's their attitude towards you being an Australian? Yeah, you know, it's uh, you know now that I'm the third Australian in the room. You know, we got Jordan Maylada and Cam Johnson. It feels like it's a little Australian takeover right now. You know, we uh we have a lot of banter and. You know, we crack a lot of Australian slang. So it's, uh, you know, I feel like the team has already opened up all of their arms to the Australians and it's kind of a, a small little nest, you know. And our sports scientist, uh, Jim, he's from Adelaide as well, man. So I feel like I'm at home at Philly. Fantastic stuff. And do they remember fondly our old mate, Sav Rocker? <laughs> yes, sir, man, of course. I could never forget that. Ah, good on you. Hey, Matt, congratulations on everything you're doing. We really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I love it, uh, uh, Brian. I think if you, as a bloke who could have gone over and played, you would have been fantastic at this game. Not only as a punter, a beautiful kick of the football, Brian, but a big man yourself with plenty of courage and strength. And Matt, as we said, has been going through the NFL International Pathway Program. So for any Australians who are in America who think, well, you know what, I, I might have a crack at this, there is a way forward. And of course, for any Australians who might want to just get involved in the NFL, there is this pathway that's there. And Matt Leo is well down the track. Good on you, Matt. Congratulations, mate. And thanks for joining us on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio 211. Good luck. We want to see you playing for the Eagles, buddy. Thanks, guys. Look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. What a pleasure it is as we head to the finals to talk to the man who was the finals king at Geelong. No doubt about that. A superstar of the game. Billy Brownless played 198 games, kicked 441 goals. All-Australian in 1991, a two-time Geelong leading goal kicker. But whenever we talk about the finals, you go back to a night. Uh, In 1994, it was the qualifying final, Geelong versus Footscray. Geelong trailing by one point. The ball is marked within scoring range. Well, for some, if you're a super boot like Billy Brownless, it was a scoring range. For most mortals, it'd take two kicks to get that far. (laughs) Seconds left. Here we go. Let's have a listen to Billy Brownless lining up to keep Geelong's premiership hopes alive. Well, he's had a rock and rolling season. Down and out and back he comes. Can he finish it off with a goal? Billy, you are king of Geelong. 
Oh, Billy. And Billy Brownless joins us. Okay, Billy, how are you, mate? Hey, good on you, Eddie. Good day, BT. And it gets better and better. The 26 years ago, I've kicked it longer. It, uh, it was just one of the great uh, times that you look back on. Uh, but that was a long time ago now, isn't it? 26 yeah. years ago. I was that there was that night, final. Brian. It was a big night. Yeah, yeah it was a beautiful night. It was uh, Everything was happening. The dogs and the cats fighting it out on the MCG. And, uh, Billy, just take us through the, the, the setup of that goal. Uh, what was it like for you? You knew what was going on, obviously. It was so yeah. late in the game and, and tension was mounting. The siren goes and you've got the ball in hand. Well, the fi- uh, finals game, big crowd at the MCG. It was a Friday night. And um, played the doggies and always went all right against the doggies back then. And uh, uh, Richard Osborne had just kicked a goal for the doggies and put them a point up. And believe it or not, there was 16 seconds to go. And John Barnes, who's not all there, lift doesn't go all the way to the top with him, but he gets it down nicely to Buddha, his good mate Buddha, who kicks it to David Minch. David Minch goes back, and I'm playing on Danny Southern that night. It was a feral from Footscray. Had the ponytail. Had actually the rat's tail and tough and hard. So I just take off. I'd had a poor night, uh, believe it or not. And I took off, used my pace and got away from him. And I take the mark, and the siren goes. So the siren's gone, Bill. And what's the score now? What's what's the score? So we're a point down. A point will draw. A goal will obviously win. So we need a goal to win, Brian. We don't want to go into extra time. And I go back, and there's Tony Liberatore, uh, who likes to say a few things out on the ground, playing for the dogs, of course, and he's saying things about my mother that I never knew my mother could do, to be honest. Uh, so uh, he's having a go at me. Everyone's having a go at me. I'm about 45, 50 metres from goal, because there was no 50-metre line back then, and so probably 60 metres out. and, and <laughs> Maybe just 80, back, 90, 100. <laughs> went back and kicked it. And I've kicked it 40 metres through. So I've kicked it about 90 metres. No one's uh, worked that out. We've kicked the goal to win. And I don't know why I did the next bit, but I, if you watch it on YouTube, which I recommend you do, I just ran and I took off. And it was John. Went, it was like when John Aloisi kicked that goal for Australia to put him uh, through to the uh, World Cup. I just took off, and the first bloke to grab me was John Barnes, who kissed me on the lips. And you don't want to be kissed on the lips by him. But then the whole team come in, and then Malcolm <laughs> Blight, the coach, tried to come in. It was just one of those great moments. It was a fantastic moment, and one that you've lived off for a fair while too. <laughs> uh, how many free drinks do you reckon you've copped over the years for that goal, Billy? Uh, a lot, a lot, especially with uh, one of your great mates, Stewie Harrison, taking over the nightclub down here. So uh, he loved that. But I still remember we went back on the bus and we used to have a few froffies on because we used to catch the bus back in the good old days, you know, and we'd get back to Geelong and the girls would have a bus and they didn't even know who'd won. They'd had a few few drinks too, don't worry a few about champagnes that. along the journey? <laughs> yes, exactly. So they'd go, to one of, they'd go to the Geelong Hotel. We'd go to the Lyric nightclub because you couldn't go together back then now. Now they seem to do everything together. So we go to the... But you, I went there and I remember walking, um, going to bed and I couldn't sleep because I, I started thinking about what would have happened if I missed the goal, you know, and we could have lost. So then I get up about 5am and I walk down to the local paper shop to get the Sunday, uh, the Saturday Herald <laughs> Sun because I thought I might have been on the front page or something like that. And the news agency wasn't even open. I was there a bit early. So, uh, so Bill, how many... You were a finals uh, superstar. How, how many grand finals did you end up playing in? So played in four, Brian. So just tell us for our American friends what what yeah. that is like. So 105,000 people in a stadium yeah. at the MCG, 180 metres long, 130 metres wide. 
Tell us what grand final day at the MCG in Melbourne is like. Well, it's um, it's like the Super Bowl, obviously, but but it's the build up, as you as we all know here, and I'm sure I oh, well I've been to the Super Bowl in San Fran, and the build up is unbelievable. But my first year was 1989 against the Hawthorne side that were just unbelievable and uh, winning everything, and that was a great time when Mark Yates ran into our good friend Dermot Brereton uh, at the centre bounce, and one of the great games we we got beaten by six points that day big crowd and we're only a young side and we just thought this will happen every year and we're pretty lucky because then we played in 92-94 against the West Coast Eagles and they were a super team. They were too good, too strong for us so that was three and then in 1994 we played Carlton who only lost two games for the year and wow. we got smashed again so four grand finals, four losses which is a real shame. But when you look at it, though, Billy, the teams that you played, they were at the peak of their powers. You're a bit mm, stiff that mm, you're mm. either the best or just marginally the second best team all those seasons. And on grand final day, they just they just got you. They were just a little bit too yeah. strong. Billy, also, you, you had the opportunity to play with one of the greatest players ever in the game, Gary Ablett Sr., who's probably yeah. the most mercurial player that we've ever had play in the AFL. Just... Quickly tell us about how good he was. Oh, mate, he, the worst trainer. And, and you know, you often, people often say you've got to train hard and you've got to keep training at 100% and be the best trainer and you become the best player. He wasn't our best trainer. He was one of our worst trainers, but it was just natural. Never in the gym, but very strong. Only need two or three paces to get going and he'd run into blokes and hurt them. And he just loved playing footy. And that's he was just a natural uh, footballer, you know, and... We loved him. He loved running out with him. He was very quiet. He didn't trust the media back then, so he wouldn't talk to the media. But just loved being with the boys, loved having a couple of beers and loved playing footy, and that was it. And and, and he'd run a couple of laps, and he'd have 30 or 40 or 50 shots at goal because you could back then, unlike now. And that's all he wanted, just have some shots on goal and play on a Saturday, you know. And uh, But anything indoors, he was unbelievable. Uh, indoor cricket, indoor soccer, any of that stuff. He loved anything like that. He's just a natural footballer, strong and tough and hard and and and, and could play. He was just unbelievable. His son is finishing up probably his career in the next mm. month of football. Uh, Gary Ablett Jr., one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time, certainly in the top yeah. bracket, up there with his father. Can you believe it, Bill? You never yeah, thought yeah. that when he was a little boy in the rooms. No. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing him up here in the isolation hub. Uh, and he brought his little son out, Levi, who has a degenerative illness, uh, which yeah. is a really sad situation. He went back to Melbourne, missed a fair bit of the season to be with his family during that uh, that uh, period well, when the young Levi was in hospital. Anyway, he came mm-hmm. back up to the hub, and uh, we went out, and a lot of the kids were up there, Billy, and Gary yeah. went out onto the ground with Levi as a little game of football was on, and he ran around <laughs> with Levi in his hands as if it was a Sharon, as if his little son was just he was running in. And the kids were running around the place and the word got out that Gary was having a kick and everybody from Gil McLaughlin, the boss of the AFL, my son Joe, who's with me, who's yeah. 19 years of age, all he wanted to do was go out there and at one stage he got the ball and handballed to Gary Ablett and there was a photo <laughs> taken. Well, he's, he thinks that's the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> and Gary was just absolutely magnificent. Mm-hmm. Talk about king of the kids. 
and oh, gave of himself. So he's up, I think he's in for something quite special in this September, Gary Ablett. He uh, came back and played on the weekend, and we're going to play that game shortly. He was just fantastic. So, yeah. Billy, um, tell us about uh, your thoughts on the Cats into the finals because our game coming up is the last game of the year between Geelong and Sydney. The Cats need to get a win to make the top four, but you're pretty happy with the way the Cats are going? Yeah, they were flying. They were going very well, playing some really good footy. And then Richmond just stopped them in their tracks uh, last weekend. So they've got to bounce back from that, Ed. And as you said, they've got to win this one. And they get a top four. They get a double chance, of course. Some very good ins. Uh, Ablett, Selwood, the captain. Gary Rowan's been good and Jack Stevens. So that will help them. Brian, let's just cast our mind back to 1988 when you and Billy Brownless were together in Miami at Joe Robbie Stadium for a game between Collingwood and July. Long. Taylor works his way to the front and judges it better than all. Dacos is the player with it and feeds the pass brilliantly to Taylor. And Taylor the opportunity to get his fourth goal. Down towards Taylor, didn't judge it too well, now steps back and goals. That's number five. Long to Taylor, gets the ride and the mark. Brian Taylor has seven goals already, 13 kicks and eight marks to Taylor. And that could be eight goals. It is. Eight goals and two eight. and a little bit of quarters. I mean, you've absolutely gone nuts there, Brian. You are the greatest player ever to play at Joe Robbie Stadium in the game of Australian rules football. Uh, yeah, we had a few people to impress on the other side of the fence, Ed. So we had to get it done early and quickly. And uh, it was all done very nice. And we all had a great night as a result. I reckon uh, you did well to kick eight because you were on the uh, on the grog for about two weeks before that. Because <laughs> That's in right. those days, we were sponsored by Fosters. So Fosters would pay for your accommodation and yeah. get you over there. And, and then they had plenty of the product. And well, they, funny. remember Cop- they used to come in the hotel room every day, Bill, and they would yeah. fill the fridge every yeah. day with Fosters. With Foster, so we had to drink it. But uh, we were staying in the same uh, hotel in Fort Lauderdale, just out of Miami there. And I still remember the, oh, just hanging around the pool with the Collingwood and Geelong players. It was quite funny. But I remember that game, and Brian was very good. But the American fans come along, and they hadn't seen a lot of footy at this stage, by the way, uh, Ed and, and Brian. And they were in love with the goal umpire. First of all, with the <laughs> yes. big white coat on. And, you know, wearing this coat and then the way they march from the centre down to the goals. But then when there was a goal scored and they went out with both fingers, that's what the biggest roar of the game. They used to roar when the goal umpire would signal a goal. They loved that. And they they used to follow. They'd sit there and just cheer the goal umpire. Gee, it was funny. And what if they used to yell out to the goal umpires when they wanted to signal with two, uh, two fingers? Brian, remember what they used to say? How big is your... Yeah. Hey, Arpy, how big's your dick? And then you'd go bang like that and they'd yell out bullshit. Oh, yeah. But gee, they, 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 didn't they, Brian? They loved the goal umpire yeah. signalling a goal. Yeah. Do you remember the adverts for that particular promotional tour, Bill, uh, were mm. over there playing you guys and they advertised on radio in, in Miami of us eating giant sort of dinosaur bones, you know, as if we were animals to try and get people to come along to see these people from down under that had just crawled out of a cave and were still were still munching on dinosaur <laughs> And no padding. They played this mad game with no padding. Oh, and thing. Yeah. They, they oh. couldn't work that out. And the other stuff was the artificial turf. And you used to have to wear runners, but you'd run along and blokes would just fall over out in the wing on their own because you'd trip up on the carpet. Yeah. It was a, it was a, and, and, and I still remember the coaches because the Joe Robbie Stadium's down a bit and then they had these fences where the coaches box, but they had to have a ladder 
an actual ladder was there, and they walk up this ladder to get up to there, um, to where the coach's box was. So great, great days indeed. Great stuff. Miami and uh, Collingwood remains the world champions from Miami in 1988. <laughs> Brian Taylor, the MVP with eight goals. Hey, Billy, good luck with everything, mate. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, good luck with your cats this year. I'm coming to you from the star on the Gold Coast, where it's all happening up here. The finals are here and upon us now. We're ready to go. In a month's time, we'll have a premier a champion of the 2020 season. Hope you've enjoyed the show today. This has been Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211.